Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 21. I hope you brought your Bible, because that's what we read. That's what we study here at San Ramon Valley Bible Church. How many people here tonight speak Spanish? Ay, que vamos conquistando poco a poco. Muy bien. Me obligan a hablar inglés aquí, desafortunadamente. Y dicen que en el cielo vamos a hablar inglés todos. Porque Dios sabe que los americanos no pueden aprender otro idioma. I'll tell you later, don't worry. John chapter 21, verses 3 to 7. The word of the Lord says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Let's pray. We come, Heavenly Father, in the name that is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We meet together tonight in His name, not in the name of any man or any organization on this earth, but in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We invoke His name upon us. We pray that by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, The eyes of our understanding will be open to understand the word of God. We pray that our hearts will be touched and we pray that our lives will be changed. And we pray that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be lifted up on high in the heart of every person here tonight. And if there are people here tonight who have never trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, may it be the night of his lordship for them. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. John said to Peter, it is the Lord. He didn't say, it's Jesus. It was Jesus. Says in the verses before that, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples did not know that it was Jesus. It was Jesus. But they didn't call him Jesus. There are a lot of people around the world that call themselves Christians today who can't get past calling the Lord Jesus Christ just Jesus. Now, the country I live in and the country that some other people here tonight are probably from, there are plenty of people named Jesus Plenty of people named Jesus. Jesus. And 
that's what they say every time somebody sneezes. Jesus. In the Middle East, there are plenty of people named Oseas, Joshua, Jehoshua, and all of those variations that are basically the same name, Jesus. Hosea. I said Oseas because that's the way we say it in Spanish. It's okay to refer to him as Jesus when you speak of his humanity. And some people try to become technical with us and they say, well, really, that's his name. I mean, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sin. Doesn't the Bible say that? Yes, the Bible does say that. And that is how he began to be known among the children of men. But as we continue to read in the scriptures, we find the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the way he's referred to by his disciples. His disciples and the believers in him called him Lord more than they called him Jesus. Now, that's not to take away from calling him Jesus. And we're not going to use the name Jesus like a shibboleth. Do you know what a shibboleth is? I see some blank looks. Some people say yes and some people say no. There are two letters for the, uh, for the letter S in Hebrew. Sin and shin. One is an SH sound and the other is an S sound without the H on it. Sin and shin. S and sh. So one time, I'm not going to go into the whole story. One time when they were warring... And they were trying to catch one, some of the warring tribes of Israel were trying to catch some of the others that they were fighting. They took control of the fords of the Jordan River, where you cross the river, the shallow places. They took control of it. And when people would come to cross, and, you know, they said, we're on your side. They tried to get by their enemies who were controlling the river. And so they said, say this word. And the word is shibboleth with S-H. But the people from that tribe couldn't say that. They said, Sibboleth. You say, well, why couldn't they say it? Well, it wasn't that they couldn't. It was just that they didn't. They weren't accustomed to saying it. Just like in the country that I live in, we say the Z like a TH sound. And in all the rest of the Spanish-speaking world, they say it just like you say the S sound or or the C sound. So we say, when we speak of the city... In the north of Spain, we call it Zaragoza. We don't say like Americans, Zaragoza. (laughs) But they say, in the rest of the Hispanic world, they say Zaragoza. Zaragoza. We say Zaragoza. So they all make a joke about it. Oh, there was a king one time in Spain who spoke with a lisp. You couldn't talk. But that's not true. It's the same rule as in Italian. The C followed by the I or the E is a CH sound. Ch. Those of you who are from Italian descent already know that. At any rate, that's a shibboleth. A shibboleth is a word that somebody takes and makes it a test. And so if you say just Jesus instead of the Lord Jesus or the Lord Jesus Christ, you fail in some places the shibboleth test. We're not, I've said we're not going to make a shibboleth out of it. But I do want to encourage you to refer to the Lord Jesus Christ with the titles and the glory that God gives him in his word. To always speak 
of him with reverence and respect. And not to just treat him as if he were just a common man, Jesus, which he isn't. He's very different. It is the Lord, John said. It is the Lord. Way back in the Old Testament before his birth, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 110. Psalms is the hymn book of Israel. The Jews sing the Psalms on different occasions. They had them just like we have a hymn book. That was what they sang. The Psalms are also prophetic. Many of them speak prophetically. There's language in them that has to apply to someone further along than the person who was writing the psalm at the time. And in the New Testament, the psalms are quoted. Those psalms are quoted, those that are prophetic. They're quoted, and it says that this refers to Christ. And so we call them messianic psalms because they speak of the Messiah. And this is one of them, Psalm 110. David writes, The Lord said unto my Lord... Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Before hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, he was already called Lord by a man on this earth, by David. By David. Who, humanly speaking, you would say was his great, 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 great grandfather. Humanly speaking. Sit thou at my right hand until until I make thine enemies thy footstool. But notice how it says it. Now, you need a good translation of the Bible if you're going to study the Bible. There are many versions and translations of the Bible that are fine for reading, but not for studying Because some of them use what they call, uh, I don't want to become too technical here, but I'm going to tell you the word. Uh, You'll hear it at some point. It's called dynamic equivalence. Dynamic equivalence is something you use in translation when you just capture the idea of what's being said. You have to do this, for example, with um, proverbs and refrains and idiomatic expressions. You can't translate them often from one language to another. And so they just look for an equivalent expression, and they use that. There are versions of the Bible, and if you want to discuss this with me afterwards, I'll be happy to, that use dynamic equivalence in their translation. And so it's not a word-for-word translation, but the Reina Valera of 1960, 1909, and 1960, in Spanish, la versión Reina Valera, es una versión literal, palabra por palabra. I just, I have to say something in Spanish. You just, you have to let me do it. Otherwise, I'm leaving. (laughs) The King James Version, the New King James Version, the New American Standard Version is also a word for word, a literal and precise translation. And uh, while there are many other versions that are admirable and there are some that are paraphrases that don't pretend to be an exact translation, but they just paraphrase. And the language is very beautiful. The Phillips version, for example, is one like that. 
the Amplified Bible, which is not easy to read because for one word, they'll give you three or four synonyms in a parenthesis after it. But it's very good to use sometimes when you're studying just to read it to get more of the idea of the passage. And why am I saying all that? Well, because if you have a good translation of the Bible, you will notice in verse 1 of Psalm 110 that there is a difference between these two words, Lord. We don't have this problem in Spanish. I'm sorry to tell you that Spanish is better than English. Yes, I've been converted. Because in Spanish it says, Jehová dijo a mi señor. See, it doesn't use the same word. And in the Hebrew here, it doesn't use the same word. Because that first word when it says the Lord, if you notice, it will say it in all capital letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And that means that it refers to the word Jehovah or the word Yahweh, Yahweh. That word, which is the word that God, by which God revealed himself to Moses. When I said, who shall I tell them sent me? And he said, you tell them that I am sent you. And the Lord gave him his name there. In that passage, the Lord used this name. The Lord Jehovah said to my Lord. Now that second Lord is capital L, but little o, little r, and little d. And that word is the word Adonai. And that's the Hebrew word that they use in a greeting and for respect. Sir, Master, Lord. I believe the Arabic word is Rab, isn't it? My Arabic is terrible because I know about, don't let me try to fool you because I only know about six or seven words in Arabic. But when I speak and when I visit in the Middle East and speak in the meetings there and they translate me, I keep hearing these words over and over. And so I've managed to catch a few of them just by osmosis. But I don't know any. And Adel would have to teach me all of this life and all the next life for me to learn it. But at any rate, this is the word. The Lord Jehovah said unto my Lord. And that second word, Lord, is the word that appears all through the New Testament. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times in the New Testament, when they refer to the Lord Jesus Christ, when they speak of the Lord, this is the word. The Lord said to my Lord. And so David speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ in the future, and he calls him his Lord. My Lord. He doesn't say the Lord said to the Lord. He says the Lord said to my Lord. Speaking prophetically of one who was going to be born. Speaking of the Messiah. The Jews are so certain of that and were so certain of that in the times of the Lord when he lived and walked on this earth that the Lord Jesus could use that psalm and that verse when he spoke to his enemies in this, in the city of Jerusalem. And he, he said, uh, who is Messiah? Is he David's son? And he used this verse. They all said that he was. Yes, Messiah is David's son. He said, well, if he's David's son, why does David call him his Lord? How can David's son be David's Lord? And he confounded his enemies. They couldn't figure a way to answer him. But the point that we're making here tonight is, first of all, even the prophetic passage in the Old Testament, when they give us the name and the title that is going to be used with reference to that person that we know as the Lord Jesus Christ, he is called Lord. My Lord, 
which indicates right off the bat that the one who is going to be born, who's coming into the world to be the savior of mankind, to save his people from their sins, is one whose title is going to be Lord. He's not going to be called just Jesus. Jesus refers to his humanity. The Lord refers to his dominion and his authority and his government. And Christ also, the anointed, Christos, to be anointed. It means we say Messiah because that's what Messiah means, the anointed one. Christ means anointed one. Christ means Messiah. The one who's going to reign from the river to the ends of the earth. Before his birth, so long ago, David called him Lord. And one of these days, every person in this room, and every person in this state, and every person in this country, and every person in this continent, and every person in the world is going to recognize that that is his name, that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is an inevitable, unavoidable appointment of every human being with Jesus Christ. David already called him my Lord. Now he's going to be Lord. He is Lord. He can't be made Lord because God has already made him Lord and Christ. You can't make him Lord. You can yield to his Lordship. And that is exactly what the gospel calls upon us to do. So here we have his lordship before his birth. Way back in the Old Testament. Now we're going to go to his birth. Come to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Verse 9 through 11. Most people never read these verses until about somewhere in around the second half of December. The Lord probably wasn't born in December anyway. I don't want to upset anybody here. But the shepherds don't keep watch over their flocks by night in Bethlehem in December. And that part of it is really cold. It was probably September. But never mind. The important thing is that he came. And when he came, when he came, lo, the angel of the Lord, verse 9, came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David... A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He didn't say, which is born unto you this day, a friend, which is Jesus. And we love to sing that as Christians, don't we? What a friend we have in Jesus. We do. But I'll tell you, you cannot get to the friendship of Jesus until you get to the Lordship of Jesus. You cannot have Jesus as your friend until you have Him, first of all, as your Lord. Unto you is born this day a Savior. We need to be saved. And that Savior is Christ, the King, the Lord. You need to be governed. We need to be forgiven. We need to be governed. And that's who God sent into this world. 
a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angels called him Lord. Yes, when the angel spoke to Mary, she told him what his name was going to be as a child, referring to his humanity. And she said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. Jesus is a word that means Savior or Deliverer. Jehovah's my salvation. But the angel said, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Not a Savior like those judges that came in the book of Judges. The Lord raised up, sometimes he uses that word, a Savior, who saved the people from the Midianites, or he saved the people from the Philistines. You see, this is what the Jewish people wanted to be saved from. They wanted to be saved from the Romans. But he said, he's bringing to you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is not one of those like Samson, some of those judges that saved Israel so long ago from some enemy, territorially speaking. And I'm afraid those dear people still have that lesson to learn. I pray every day for the peace of Jerusalem. May the peace of God be upon that city. And may he bless his people. But first of all, they have to learn to trust in him. They have to learn to trust in him. It's not their military alliance, their might. It's not their friends in the nations of which they have few. They have to learn to trust in the Lord. And be delivered, first of all, from their sins. And we pray for that. But Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, was called, first of all, prophetically, hundreds of years before, Lord by David. Secondly, when the angels announced his coming to the shepherds and directed them to see him there as a newborn babe, they called him Lord, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There is no escaping the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You might as well have it plain. Anything else is heresy. Years ago, A.W. Tozer wrote a book which is titled, I Call It Heresy. You go on Amazon or Alibris or somewhere like that and see if you can find it. It's still around. I Call It Heresy by A.W. Tozer. They usually take, when he wrote books, they take a chapter out of the book and they make that the title of the book. So that title is the title of one of the chapters in the book where he says, for people to say that Jesus can be received as Jesus and as a Savior without being received as Lord, that a person can be a believer and be saved and have his sins forgiven and be on his way to heaven without having Jesus Christ as Lord of his life. He said, I'll tell you what I call that. I call that heresy. And evangelicals need to hear that today. There are a lot of people who think that they are going to heaven one day. There are a lot of people. It is so easy to call yourself a Christian. But as we're going to see, the Lord has questions for people about their profession of faith. The angels called him Lord. And they intended for those men who were going there to know who they were looking at when they looked at that baby. In the country that I live in, they have the El Niño Jesús. El Niño. El Niño. And they have him there in, all, in the colegio, in the school. All the children have to come up and besar el niño. Besar el niño. The baby Jesus. The baby Jesus. They don't ever let the baby Jesus get out of the crib. And the same thing happens here. Just forget about baby Jesus. Because Jesus isn't a baby anymore. 
And even when he was a baby, he was Lord, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There are a lot of people that are willing to remember his birth if they think they can get a present out of it. Or a party, or a holiday, or a few days off out of it. But they have no intention of letting the baby Jesus get out of that crib and rule their life. Jesus Christ is Lord. David called him Lord prophetically. The angels called him Lord. And during his ministry, thirdly, during his ministry on this earth, what did the people call him? They called him Lord. Look at John 13. John chapter 13. The disciples called him Lord. And he commended them for it. He didn't say, no, no, don't use that title. Let's not be legalistic. He didn't say anything like that. John 13, verse 13. You call me Master and Lord, and you say well, for so I am. He commended them for calling him Lord. He commended them for that. He said, if I, your Lord and Master, he speaks to them that way. Because they followed him. Because they did what he told them. He said, you're calling me the right thing. Because that's what I am. A lot of people need to hear that today. Because you see, evangelicalism has gotten itself into a terrible, terrible mess by trying to make a dichotomy of Jesus. You know what a dichotomy is? It's just a fancy word that means they try to split him in half. They put Jesus as Savior over here, and they put Jesus as Lord over here, see? And first of all, you go, you take the first step, and you go to the office where you get Jesus as Savior. And you get your little passport stamp, your ticket to heaven, your get-out-of-hell-free card. Jesus is my Savior. And then you go trucking along, and a few years later, if you want to, if you really have a crisis of consecration or something like that, then you come along and you say, now I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life. You what? In Spain, we have a king. His name is Juan Carlos. El Rey, Su Majestad Juan Carlos. He's the king of Spain. Now, if Juan Carlos, Su Majestad, comes to my house, which he's not going to do, I mean, he can if he wants to, but he doesn't care about it. He doesn't even know I'm there. He doesn't even want to come to my house for it. But if he came to my house, I could not say to him at the door, eh, Señor Juan Carlos, Majestad, si a vos le parece bien, quiere ser la Majestad, la parte real fuera de mi casa, y entre el hombre, solamente el hombre Juan Carlos, y coma con nosotros. I said, if it pleased the king, could he leave his majesty and his royalty outside and just let the man Juan Carlos come in and eat with us well he can't do that he can't do that he's not a dichotomy and he's not a schizophrenic (laughs) he can't come in that way if Jesus Christ comes in the Lord comes in and if he doesn't come in as Lord he's not in there And that's why the old preachers used to say, and everybody's afraid to say it anymore, except a few of us, if he is not Lord of all, 
He is not Lord at all. And people say, they start philosophizing. Oh, but after all, who knows? I mean, who really understands the depth of commitment and all the implications of the Lordship of Christ? We say in Spanish, no te enrolles. Don't get all rolled up and tangled up. It's not complicated. Nobody has to know all the implications of it. What you have to have is not an understanding of all the implications. What you have to have is come to him without any reservations. That's it. No reservations. Whatever you say, Lord, because you're the Lord, because you're smarter than I am, you're stronger than I am. You never make a mistake. You take everything into account. Your will is good and perfect and acceptable and mine is not. And I trust you, not me. I believe your word before man's word. You're the Lord. We say, you're the boss. Lead on, O King Eternal, they used to sing. They don't sing that hymn anymore because they don't want the King Eternal to lead on. They want to put him in their pocket, you know, like a little crucifijo, uh, a little cross, or hang it around their neck or put it in their pocket for good luck to protect them from demons or whatever. But they don't want him to lead their life. The disciples called him Lord. And he commended them because he was their Lord and Master. Oh, but we have to come in his life and ministry to another point where other people called him Lord. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, we read, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out demons and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. There are a lot of people in the evangelical world and some even in the Catholic world who say they prophesy in the Lord's name and they have meetings where they say they cast out demons in the Lord's name and they lay hands on people. And this person has a twisted spine. They put their hands on his head or on his spine. And this one has a, he has a hearing problem and they come up and kiss his ear and speak in his ear or they anoint him with oil or something. And all these things are going on. These people say they're doing many wonderful things. The signs and wonders movement. The first wave, the second wave, the third wave. And now it's supposed to be raining gold from heaven. But only in the preacher's pockets. Go figure. We prophesied in your name, Lord. We need discernment. The Lord has it. And we need it. We're too easily fooled by people who just say all the right things. They learn the language. just like this little parakeet that we have. He's just a little bitty thing and he can say all kinds of things. In Spain, they think it's funny because we taught him to speak English. <laughs> and they say, ay, 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 el pájaro habla inglés y nosotros no. They say, oh, the bird speaks English and we don't. And that's the way people are. 
they start hanging around and they go to church and they listen and they hear people talk and they hear the preacher and they read the hymns and they pick up the language and they start talking the language. But that's not it. It's not in the mouth. And it's not only in the head. People who know it that way miss heaven by 18 inches. The distance between the head and the heart. See. Lord, Lord. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, if you have any sense at all, and I believe you do. You know from the scriptures that we're reading tonight that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know that that is the title that ought to be given to him. That that's the right thing to call him. But don't you think for a minute that just saying those words, Lord, Lord, or recognizing that intellectually is going to get you into heaven. He is Lord. But it's got to be more than in the mouth. Luke six forty six. Luke 6.46 Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There are a lot of people, yes, even in evangelical churches, I am afraid to say and sorry to say a lot of people that it comes out real easy here. But there's nothing in the life. When Paul wrote to Timothy and he spoke to him about the dangers of the last days, he talked about people who would profess godliness with their mouth, but with their lives they would deny the power of it. It's only in the mouth. It's only in the talk. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? That's the Lord's most embarrassing question. The most embarrassing question that Jesus Christ ever asked when he was on this earth. He didn't say, do you do it? Or when do you do it? He said, why do you do it? ¿Por qué me llamas Señor, Señor? Y no haces las cosas que te digo. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you do it? He wants to hear it. David called him Lord. The angels called him Lord. The disciples called him Lord. But when those people who were living their lives the way they wanted to... Governing their own lives. Are you a self-governed person? Are you a spiritually autonomous person? Do you do what you want to? Do you say, I mean, no me va a controlar nadie. Nobody's going to touch my life. I'm my own boss. I I mean, nadie me va a poner la mano encima. No, nobody's going to put their hand on me and tell me what to do. You believe to that extreme and personal Freedom and liberty and your rights to do whatever you want to and to think whatever you want to. You can have them all the way to hell. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But I'm speaking frankly so you get the big picture before it's too late. Nobody who, who of those who do not own Jesus Christ as their Lord in their life. Is going to heaven. There are no rebels in heaven. There are no individualists in heaven. 
God is in this world working through the gospel to call out a people to his name. A people who listen to him. A people who follow him. Who do his will. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now it's one thing to say he's Lord. But it's the other other thing, quite different. Look at your life. You decide. I don't know, but you know and God knows. There are at least two people that know. And if you're married, your husband or your wife probably knows too. And if you're not married, your parents probably know. But it's one thing to act a certain way in the meeting and to use the language and the vocabulary. And it's another thing who you are at home when nobody else is looking. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Who does it? And you say, oh, but who does God's will perfectly? We're all sinners. Of course we are. Of course we are. And I'm the first one. But I'll tell you what. My life isn't what it was before I trusted Jesus Christ. If you knew the me before and the me now, you'd say, boy, what a difference. But I got a long way to go still. That's not bragging. I'm just bragging on the Lord. He changed my life. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Christians obey the Lord. Christians live lives of obedience. There's another book that's disappeared. The School of Obedience by Andrew Murray. Look it up. Somebody write it down. Y'all look it up and see if you can find it somewhere. That's a classic. Every person here needs to read that book. The School of Obedience by Andrew Murray. Wonderful book. Christians are not perfect, but the characteristic of the life of a true believer is that he obeys God. He obeys God. So during the ministry of our Lord, the disciples called him Lord and he accepted it and he commended them. But when the people called him Lord in a casual way, in a superficial, superficial way, or imitating, mimicking what they were hearing around them, or simply being courteous to him, he stopped them. Why do you call me Lord? If you don't do what I say. And the Lord is here in our midst tonight and he's asking us that question. And the Lord would like to ask you that question tonight. Why do you call him Lord? Answer him in your heart. Why do you call him Lord? Even on the cross, in the fourth place, even on the cross, he's called Lord. In Luke 23, in verse 42, as our Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross, dying for our sins, the just for the unjust, suffering for us there, on either side of him were two thieves, were two criminals. We call them thieves, but they were criminals guilty of more than just stealing. But that's the common word that's used. So here these two are. And one of them repents. And in Luke 23, verse 42, verse 40, he says, The other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We're getting what we deserve. But this man hath done nothing amiss. The one in the middle. He hasn't done anything wrong. 
He's not like us. And then he turned to the Lord and he said in verse 42, he said unto Jesus, Lord. What did the sign say over the Lord's head? What did the sign say? Did they call him Lord? It said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. That was a mocking statement that they made. Jesus, because many people were named Jesus, this is the Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This is what the Romans thought of him and everyone else, nearly. But the thief doesn't call him Jesus of Nazareth. The thief didn't get his name from the sign. The thief got his name from a heart brought under conviction by the Holy Spirit of God. A heart yielded. And he almost missed his last opportunity. He almost missed it. You don't know when your last opportunity is going to be. And you better not try to play tag with God. Hide and seek with God and wait until the last chance. Some people tell me that in Spain. They say, we talk to them about the Lord and they say, Bueno, que me quite lo bailao. I'm going to live my life and... And if I get saved at the end, you know, then they'll, they can, this, the Lord can take away all the wild oats I've sown. Can we keep them by love? Not going to happen. He's going to take away everything. The thief on the cross said, Lord. This is the way you talk to a man who's dying, who's about to exhale his last breath and die. You say, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What kingdom? He's, he's going to the to the neighborhood of the quiet people. That's what we call it in Spanish. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord. There's faith. There's trust by a desperate man at the last moment. And the Lord didn't say, oh, no, 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 don't try to do that now. You lived a life of sin. You just forget it. You can't do that now. He saw that that man was sincere. And he saw that he recognized his lordship and his messiahship, your kingdom. And he called upon him, remember me, Lord. You want the Lord to remember you? You better start calling on him. The thief on the cross did. And in the resurrection they called on him. The disciples. In John chapter 20. When they met the Lord in the upper room. Says verse 24. When Thomas one of the twelve called Didymus was not with them. When Jesus came and the other disciples therefore said unto him. We have seen Jesus. Did they say that? No, they said, we have seen the Lord. The disciples called him Lord. We have seen the Lord. You see, Thomas wasn't there. And that's the chance you take when you don't gather with God's people who meet in his name in the presence of the Lord. That's the chance you take that the Lord might manifest his presence and his blessing in a special way. And you might miss it because you stayed home or because you went out and did whatever. The disciples were there and they said to Thomas, we saw the Lord. Well, Thomas didn't see him because he stayed home. 
And so the next time they met, Thomas was there. He learned his lesson. Jesus said to Thomas, verse 27, Reach your finger in and touch my hand. Behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless but believing. And Thomas, ashamed and convinced, said to him, Jesus, my friend. Is that what he said? This is the language. Pay attention to the language of Scripture. This is the language of faith. My Lord and my God. Now, a theologian named Ryrie tried to convince people in his book, Balancing the Christian Life, that calling Jesus Lord was just a way of saying he was God, but he's mistaken. He tried to dismiss the Lordship of Christ as an unimportant issue. Now, that's not true, because if it just meant God, why would Thomas say, my God and my God? That doesn't make any sense, does it? He knew what it meant. He knew what it meant. My master and my God. And Thomas almost missed his opportunity. Because soon after that, the Lord went back to heaven. And Peter preached him as Lord in Acts chapter 2 before the gathered nation of Israel in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. He preached him as Lord. And later on in Acts chapter 7, Stephen, he called upon him when he was being stoned and about to breathe his last. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He called him Lord. And Paul, when he spoke to him on the road to Damascus, as he lay there in the dust with a blinding light in his eyes, what did he say? Lord, what will you have me to do? He called him Lord. Peter called him Lord. Stephen called him Lord. Paul called him Lord. Thomas called him Lord. And when Paul went around establishing the churches in Acts 14.23, it says, He commended them, the churches, to the Lord. Do you have a commendation? Do you have a commendation? He commended them to the Lord. They didn't use a commendation as a term only for sending people out to the mission field. He commended them. The missionary commended all the churches. He commended them to the Lord who was able to take care of them, build them up, and give them an inheritance among the sanctified. But he left those churches trusting in the Lord, not in a mission agency or another group of churches. He left them trusting in the Lord. So that's before his birth, at his birth, during his ministry, on the cross, and in and after the resurrection, and when he ascended up to heaven, the apostles began to preach, and they told us, like in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that at conversion we should call him Lord. Romans 10 and 9 is a favorite text of mine. They don't sing that one anymore either, do they? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. At conversion, we confess him, we believe in the heart and confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the Son of God and our Savior, is Lord. That's part of conversion. That's not a secondary 
experience that comes later on optionally. Like you can buy a car, but you don't have to put a radio in it. That's not the radio. It's the engine. And in glory, we see him in the book of Revelation. In chapter 1 of Revelation. I love the book of Revelation. Every time I read it, it makes me anxious for the Lord to come. Verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. And in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is, what is the Lamb? Who is the Lamb? Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But here, he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. That's another text for another day. But it's wonderful. He's Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. When he comes in chapter 19, the heavens are open. He's on the white horse. He's got the sword coming out of his mouth. And the armies of heaven are behind him. And he's got a banner written across there with his name. And what does it say? King of kings and Lord of lords. It doesn't say Jesus our friend. He is our friend. and he's our. But all of his friends are going to be behind him. The armies of heaven. At conversion, we call him Lord. In glory, in heaven, and in the future, forever, they're going to call him Lord. And especially, and finally, in, the, in Philippians chapter 2, as I warned you at the beginning, one day, every person here, every person everywhere is going to call him Lord. Philippians 2, verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, see, it's okay, he's Jesus, but he's more than Jesus. Keep reading, don't stop there. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there are two groups of people who confess him as Lord. Those of us who believe in him. That he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. That his death satisfied the the judgment of God against me for my sin. And I trust in him. And God saves me. He forgives me and gives me a new life with Jesus Christ as my Lord. But there is no new life without Jesus Christ as Lord. You can't have life without Lord. And then there's the other group. And those are the ones who one day will bow their knee. Even the demons in hell will bow their knee and have to confess under compulsion that Jesus Christ is Lord. You're going to do it one way or the other. You choose when and how. My advice is to do it now. I don't know the music to this hymn, but I want you to listen to it. Number 55. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. (laughs) I found a deep peace that I never had known and a joy this world could not afford. Since I yielded control 
of my body and soul to my wonderful, wonderful Lord. I desire that my life shall be ordered by thee, that my will be in perfect accord with thine own sovereign will, thy desires to fulfill, my wonderful, wonderful Lord. All the talents I have, I have laid at thy feet. Thy approval shall be my reward. Be my store great or small, I surrender it all to my wonderful, wonderful Lord. Tozer said, Christians tell more lies when they sing hymns than at any other time. Could you sing that hymn tonight and not tell a lie? I pray that if not before, tonight and from now on, you will bow the knee and recognize Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Not Savior and Lord, Lord and Savior. And that he will govern your life, save your soul and govern your life and be glorified. This is what he wants. May it be so for his own name's sake. Amen.